1: Welcome back, Tuesday, June twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. I am Seth Liebson. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. I got David Dahl in my producer's chair, as is fully appropriate. We were talking a lot about education yesterday: the failures and outcomes, the COVID education relief money not going to the classrooms or the students, but to administration and retirement plans. And the deeper, than we knew collusion between the teachers' unions and the administration in trying to maintain school closures. There's another shoe worth dropping, which is the study that just came out on Catholic schools, which, with very few exceptions, opened far earlier than general public schools. As Steve Moore reports on the new study, there were no, zero, nothing, no net test score declines in the Catholic schools, which already had superior results. You got that? There were no net test score declines in the Catholic schools. As education experts Michael Hartney and Corey DeAngelis note, it wasn't rocket science. There's no secret sauce to the Catholic school advantage in mitigating learning loss. The typical parochial school starts its learning day earlier, Focuses on the basics, and most of all, we're much more likely to encourage and provide in person learning throughout the pandemic. What's more, most of the urban Catholic schools that mitigated learning loss were just as likely, if not more likely, to be saddled with older facilities, less money, and disadvantaged students than public schools in poor urban locales and Tony upscale Democratic districts. Steve Moore's idea if we really care about the children, Why don't the inner cities just take the tens of billions of dollars they spend on their failed public schools and contract out all the schooling to the Catholic schools? You know why that will never happen, and it's not because the schools are parochial. Most of them, frankly, aren't even that religious. It's because they don't hire unionized teachers. Which elicits the question, given all the collusion between the teachers unions and the administration in keeping the schools closed as long as possible, given the denials of learning loss, given the insouciance toward forecasted mental health declines of students, given the vast monies that went to the administration of schools and retirement funds. Are the schools there for the children or are they there for the adults? And by adults, I mean teachers and administrators. What are the schools there for? Recall just some of the examples the Washington Free Beacon uncovered. In North Carolina, for example, the Wake County public school system from March 2020 to April 2023 spent 78.5% of its total pandemic relief funding on salaries and employee benefits. Chicago Public Schools, a district, where, a district where union teachers repeatedly refused to return to the classroom during COVID, similarly spent 77% of its pandemic money on staff bonuses, salaries, and benefits. Now recall, this was all as the recipient of those funds were lobbying to keep the schools closed. We discussed the NAEP, NAEP, or Nations Report Card recent findings, but just to remind you, as the New York Times put it a week ago, quote, the math and reading performance of 13-year-olds in the United States has hit the lowest level in decades. Or as the Washington Post put it, this is the single largest drop in math in 50 years and no signs of academic recovery following the disruptions of the pandemic. By the way, again, none of that true in the Catholic schools. One more datum, if you'll allow. The University of Michigan, which sponsors a Monitoring the Future project, just released a study on depressive symptoms of our nation's adolescence. Here's what they found. 49.5% of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders regularly claim they can't do anything right. That's up 20% since the pandemic. 48.9% of adolescents regularly claim, quote, I do not enjoy life, close quote. That's up 35% since the pandemic. And 44.2% regularly claim, quote, my life is not useful, close quote. That is also up 35% since the pandemic. Now, recall, This is in a country that spends nearly $900 billion a year on elementary and secondary education. How are we doing with that? As I mentioned yesterday, there are two critical issues that must be part of the 2024 presidential campaigns, especially from Republicans. These are mantles we must grab. One. Looking at the world and its threats, from Russia, from Iran, from China, each individually a monumental problem, but now a united toxic confluence arrayed against us, our allies, and our interests, foreign policy must be a campaign issue. Two, so too must children's well-being and education. Let me remind that while a lot of consultants will say American voters don't usually vote on foreign policy, that is simply not the historical record. Ask John Kennedy and Richard Nixon biographers what 1960 was all about. Ask what 1972 was about. Ask what 1980 was about. Ask what 2004 was about. Anent the critical year of 1980. I say critical because the times we live in today match those times so pellucidly. The election was about our culture, our economy, and our foreign policy. I don't think there was a speech Ronald Reagan gave in the 1980 campaign that didn't include references to the dangers of the Soviet Union. And if you call, recall, his two winning ads in 1984 still remembered, still looked at as models. One was known as the bear, about the threat of a bear in the woods and those who refused to think one was there or to see it. The other, of course, was the morning in America ad we spoke of just a couple weeks ago. Reagan won 49 states that year. Back to 1980, if I might, as I was doing some research on Ronald Reagan's campaign back then, he said something that gave me chills and should give all of us great concern. In his 1979 televised announcement when he entered the presidential race, Ronald Reagan said this, quote, Someone once said that the difference between an American and any other kind of person is that an American lives in anticipation of the future because he knows it will be a great place. Other people fear the future as just a repetition of past failures. Quote. Why did I pause on that? Because I don't think one could say that today, at least not about Americans. Rather, I think the opposite has set in. An ennui married married to an apathy, if not a sedia wedded to resignation. An adjustment to a new normal that instructs and embrace the suck attitude of sorts. The polling of the adolescent population certainly validates this. Don't you think too many of us now fear the future as just a repetition of past values and failures? Excuse me, a repetition of past failures? Well, how in the heck did we adults get here? And how in the heck do we expect to snap out of it? I mean, you downgrade the importance of this country and its unique greatness for decades. And what did we think would happen Who takes pride and keeps in repair a car they are told was never that good in the first place, a car that breaks down more and more every year? Who tends to a cabin made of rotten and rotting wood? Sometimes I think we need a habitat for humanity for our national attitudinal, educational, and social infrastructure. A final point about how we go forward to address this. We cannot assume agreement or knowledge, or at least not too much knowledge when we speak about these things in any audience. George Orwell wrote, We have now sunk to a depth at which restatement of the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. If liberty means anything at all, he continued, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. In times of universal deceit, telling the truth will be a revolutionary act think we might live in a time of universal deceit. But something dawned on me. It's more than that that is required of us today. Yesterday and today, two presidential candidates in our party betrayed an ignorance to me that was astounding. Vivek Ramaswamy had an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal calling for repealing the Espionage Act yesterday. That was the whole and main point of his op-ed. On Hugh Hewitt's show yesterday, Hugh asked him about Robert Hansen. Robert Hansen was a spy for the Soviet Union, working for the United States government in D.C. and arrested back in 2001. He died only three weeks ago and was in the news again for that. It's a major movie about his life, starring Ryan Phillippe. His spying was known as the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history. Vivek Ramaswamy had no idea who he was. Today on Hugh's show, Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami who just announced he's running for the presidency on the Republican Party, spoke at great length on the dangers of leftism and communism, especially given what he knew from his Cuban background. Hugh Hewitt asked him about the Chinese depredation, torture and worse of the Uyghurs. And Suarez said he'd never heard of them. On another show yesterday... I heard a vaunted law professor confuse two monumentally important and different Supreme Court cases, 15 years apart no less, on issues of religious liberty. We can't assume too much anymore about anyone, about what they know or what they think they know. So as I say, it's not just the first task to restate the obvious. Sometimes our first task is to explain something below the obvious, something we've assumed was the obvious. And yes, as for Going up against the left, we do live in times of universal deceit where telling the truth is a revolutionary act, and we should all be called upon to be revolutionaries. I'm Seth Leibson, 602 508 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 Now, young David, you have been champing at the bit to talk about quarters, currency. What the heck is ailing you so much that you have been on my case saying, I want to talk about quarters for the last 48 hours?
2: This weekend, I did some laundry. Yes. I had to go to the bank and get some quarters to okay. do some laundry, all right? Uh-huh. Because I don't have in-unit washer drum. I understand. I discovered that they redesigned the quarter for 23, and I am shocked that this has not been bigger news. Maybe I just missed it. What happened? I didn't notice. They redesigned the quarter. Yeah. I, I have a few lying around here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They changed Washington's image. First of all, he's facing the wrong way on the obverse. On, I have a 1965 quarter here that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. He's looking to my left now. In the new one, he's looking to the right. Okay, and then I, I researched this. All right, and apparently I'm looking that, up the
1: quarter now. Okay, go on. Well, I
2: have plenty of examples I can I can bring into you later fine, during the break. <laughs> fine. Apparently, um, they had to change the design of Washington because they wanted one that was designed by a woman, and to, in order to do that. They had to change the way he was facing. And so then I turn over. Why the do corner. they have
1: to change the way he's facing?
2: I, 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 I don't know because the, uh, the new designer is All no right. longer with us. Okay. So I guess maybe she only drew Washington pointing to the right. <laughs> to, the to the right. The, to okay. the right. Yes, okay. yes. Um, then I turn over the quarter.
1: I didn't know any of this. Go on. Ne- neither did I. Right? Okay.
2: It's like it should have been news. I feel like it should have been news that they redesigned the quarter. Right? Like probably the most commonly it shows used shows you. Yeah, of it tells currency. you something
1: about the way we view. Yeah. Go on.
2: Um, and and over on the back now, all of the new twenty three quarters have uh, images of of females that were important to, I would say, American history, but you might properly say American civil rights history. Okay. And uh, I was a little shocked that we don't even have, a like, a normal quarter anymore with mm-hmm. the eagle on it that's right. been standard issue since 1932. Right. Now, growing up, I remember collecting a lot of quarters. I mean, Bill Clinton had the uh, the 50 state quarters during his administration. Yes. I thought those were really cool. I had a little book. But they were always just a subdivision. They They were, they were never the main deal. And when I looked up this act that apparently was signed into law in 2021— that uh, changed all the quarters. The female designs are supposed to be the status quo, at least until 27. That's six years all right. of quarters.
1: Well, i, I got to say one, one, one positive thing about this, because um, I'm looking at the new design online now that you're talking about it. I don't mind the redesign of Washington. I really don't. Bill knows this. Bill's nodding at me viciously, vigorously from... Uh, from my three o'clock bulletproof uh, 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 glass uh, separator from him, I don't mind that they changed. The old picture of Washington, the one that abides to this day on the dollar bill, it's not a good picture. It's 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 the Gilbert uh, the Gilbert Stuart right, the Gil- the portrait of him. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, way. and um, and I got to tell you, you know. George Washington was this great, great man.
2: Great man, indeed.
1: Great hero. He fought the Revolutionary War when he was in his 40s. One biographer said he was known as the fiercest chieftain in the forest. Who, looking at that Gilbert Stuart portrait of George Washington, would say, I want to be like that? That's not a fierce chieftain. That's... No disrespect, an old maid. (laughs) So is
3: this And and, wait, (laughs) uh, uh, Hold uh. on.
1: And I think it's important that kids be able to look up to a hero like George Washington and say, I want to be like that or I want to study that or I want to learn more about that. And this new picture, he looks much more like a fierce chieftain in the forest. A young man, a lad in his 40s. I'm for that. This- I think that's great. I really do. I'm not being, si- I'm not being silly. Bill knows this has been a ca- I have been arguing for this for how many years? Ever since you've known me, Bill. How long have we known each other? Ten years. And it happened. They took my advice and didn't tell me. That's fine. The cause is all. Credit means nothing. I'm good with that. But I'm okay with that. I say more pictures of Washington like that. You you dissent.
2: Well, I I tend to be a fiscal conservative, and you know when I looked up this bill, out of 169 sponsors for this, um, how did they the currency um, finance bill, yeah. or however they rephrased it, there were only 17 GOP co-sponsors. I I may agree with you that children need to look. Who, up who the were Washington, they? I'd, I'd like to a, know
1: who they were. I'm for. Well,
2: I, I could show you all 17 on this the vote. Break.
1: I yeah, would yeah. just yeah send me a link to their names or copy and paste them into an email. <laughs> OK, but they did the I right thing. Think it here.
2: was right of us to spend the tax dollars.
3: Oh, come it on. It's
1: a rounding error. Do you know how much money we spend on noodle straws? <laughs> Do yeah, you know, Do you know, know how much issue? I mean, we probably spend more money on that and telling New Yorkers they can't have pizza ovens than any of this. I, You know, I, I'm not worried about it if it. If it reinstates interest in the man we used to call what, what 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 did kids grow up learning of him, first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of their countrymen.
2: See, but I that I don't from think the eulogy
1: of that. George Washington. That's what they grew up. He's out now, but over years and years of degradation and criticism, and years and years of making him look like an old maid, and now we got him looking like a fierce fighter, and I love it. Good, I want to study that guy.
2: See, but the, in 1931, when they redesigned God. the quarter, it was all about Washington. What am I doing birthday.
1: wrong, Bill? What am I not communicating here? How am I? <laughs> how am I missing? The,
2: how? how <laughs> and now they've changed it, and now it's all about honoring female figures of American history. I don't seconds. care. There's no. Normal I don't care anymore. as
1: long as they want, look up to and esteem George Washington, and and can see that the indispensable man was indispensable for a reason and they have a thirst and an interest and a desire to look after him and not dismiss him as the guy who would be doing your laundry if there were no quarters. That's how I'm leaving it. Yeah. Fiercest chieftain in the forest!
4: Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dabrowski is the founder and president of Grand
1: Canyon Planning Associates. Great website, grandcanyonplanning.com. dot com. Great way to reach reach out to him. He also is the host of his own radio show, heard right here every Saturday morning at seven a.m. The word on wealth. Happy Tuesday, John.
3: Hey Seth, how you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. How are you? Great.
3: Good. I heard a little of your having fun there. In your prior segment.
1: I was not having fun. I was having an <laughs> argument with my aforementioned recalcitrant and refractory producer. <laughs> and
3: oh boy
1: we talked we talked about um, we talked about home prices yesterday a little bit and the yes. way the markets and the economy was viewing them. And you sent me an interesting uh, piece this morning about uh, how they have ri- risen. Home prices mm-hmm. have risen for the third straight month in April. What is that telling us, John?
3: Well, I mean, it's going back to what I've been saying, is you know, that uh, you know, I don't believe there's going to be this uh, the fall in real estate prices like we saw back in the, during the financial crisis in 2007 and eight. Uh, we have a totally different economy right now. We've got higher interest rates, yes, but we have um, many people who have been able to finance or refinance their their homes at these extremely low rates. And we're not going to have these foreclosures or forced sales that we've seen in the past. And it looks like uh, we're not going to have the extreme high unemployment that we would have during a major recession.
1: Yeah, it's a weird that thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's an, yeah, yeah. That
3: would have been a different scenario, but yeah. we're not seeing that. So, uh, again, if someone's out there considering purchasing a home – uh, you're going to pay a higher rate of interest, and it seems like this is becoming the new normal for those out there who are looking for homes, starting to come to grips with the fact that we're not going to see two and a half, three percent 3% no. interest rates no. uh, in the near future.
1: John, um, speaking of the future, there mm-hmm. was another interesting story, which is right in your wheelhouse and everything about what you and Grand Canyon Planning do. Americans think they will need nearly $1.3 million to retire comfortably, according Ouch. to a new study. How to calculate your magic number.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because not everybody is the same, right? This was right. an average right. uh, of 1.3 million is what people felt. Now, that was higher than it was last year, mm-hmm. uh, slightly higher. Uh, and it's, that's really an arbitrary number is the way I look at it, Seth. You're right. That's what we do for clients, uh, you know, every day. And I meet with clients on a daily basis thinking, well, how much do I need? What's, what's the, you know, there was a commercial out there a while ago. What's your number? Right. Uh, but it really is different for everybody. It, it's not a, not an exact science here. But what we do have to look at is what are your current expenses? What are your abilities right now to be able to save? for your future, whether it's contributing to those retirement accounts, which I really stress people should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps you right now on taxes lowering your tax rate and that 401k contribution. But it also in many cases gives you free money. If a, if an employer is going to match that contribution, mm-hmm. if you don't have that opportunity to contribute to a, a company sponsored plan, you have the ability to do it uh, in the form of an IRA or a SEP IRA. If you're self-employed, we can help people set up their own retirement plans um, but our goal here is, is we're looking for ways to help people build their net worth so that when they retire, they can have multiple sources of income, whether it's Social Security, pension, possible annuity, or you know, withdrawals from uh, your retirement accounts, uh, re- rental income, different sources of income that you can draw from to be able to meet your life uh, income needs throughout uh, you know, your retirement. Good. Good. Third story
1: I wanted to run by you. Okay. White House, through the mouth of uh, Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre yesterday, was talking about inflation. Right. and She said it didn't have really that much to do with government spending so much as corporate high profit margins. We have to agree that this is not a good thing for the White House to be going after, that it is these profits that drive businesses and employment and and certainly expansion and even really 401k plan expansion too, right?
3: Uh, Of course. I mean, companies are – if you're going to handcuff companies to the point to where they don't have the ability to make a profit, then they're not going to just – you know, say, oh, okay, we're going to acquiesce to all of this and keep everything as is. They're going to make some changes in the way that they uh, employ people. Uh, whether that's going to be, as you mentioned, maybe they change their four hundred and one k. They don't yeah. do a match. Many yeah. companies, small companies, don't do a match because it's too much of a burden right. for them. Right. Uh, larger companies, they they are certainly uh, have the ability right now, if they're profitable, to do these things. They want to acquire. Uh, good employees and the way to do that is to offer them good benefits but if you're going to start cutting into their profits they're going to find ways whether that's cutting their workforce uh, or cutting the benefits uh, you know it's just the wrong approach there's no question about it let's talk about spending secretary of treasury
1: here is what it sounds like they're trying to talk
3: about spending at the federal level and let's get let's get a handle on the government spending rather than corporate yeah let's get that right all right brother go ahead Uh, You can reach me at GrandCanyonPlanning.com, Securities and Advisory Services, offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of an Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. And boy, Seth, you're so much more calm when you were talking to me. (laughs) Because we don't (laughs) – you're not recalcitrant (laughs)
1: and
4: refractory. We'll be right back. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thinking about the
1: economy. There is talk of a possible recession, as you just heard. Inflation is still here, and it is not transitory, as we were told two years ago. You do have bank failures, and yes, the stock market is volatile. So where do you go to invest? Well, y ReFi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on and off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high interest rate. Y-Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on the 101 in Scottsdale Road. I've been there. And you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. And when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much and you can too. Y Refi is a due diligence proof firm, and you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a ten point two five percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then R E F Y.com, or call eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. That's eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. Okay, quarters and education. Rob, in surprise, you're going to side with young Hi. David here. It sounds like.
4: Well, I um, well, first of all, uh, a 2022 version of the uh, quarter, and George Washington looks great. He almost looks like a Native American, and ironically, on the back side of it, um, there is a female Native American, Wilma Mankiller, mm-hmm. who, appara- who apparently was a Native American activist and
1: Cherokee uh, Nation.
4: Cherokee Nation, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, but the writing below. Her name is virtually unreadable. I tried with a, uh, you know, a microscope.
1: David, do to... you have a Wilma? Can you read yours? I don't know if young David has one. The
2: two I've got right here: are Anime Wong and Bessie can, Coleman.
1: Can you read what? Can you it's the lettering too small to, to say what those are. Those are twenty threes, I think.
2: Yeah,
4: this one was twenty twenty two. Right. So, right. First year. Um,
1: is that the first year they started these new quarters? I think it was. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, here's. He yeah. piqued our interest, so Mrs. Rob had to go into her little coin purse. This front one has a 23
2: date on it. Yeah. But the back uh-huh. one, where it says Bessie Coleman, has a 21. So I wonder if the engraving is 21 or something like that. Well, can you read it? Huh. Can it you says, read the wording? Uh, well, Bessie Coleman, 61521, United States of America, quarter dollar.
1: Okay, but you can't Pretty read anything more. All right, Co- yeah. continue, Mr. Rob.
2: Oh, okay. Um,. On, on the
4: education front, uh, with this report card, did they break it down by stage? Not yet. Time?
1: Not yet. Oh, we I... will get that. We will get that. Oh, okay. Yeah,
4: because yeah, I, I would be interested in hearing about um, how Arizona fared, uh, having spent a short, a very short career as a public school teacher uh, down in Ajo. Um, and I, I know that in the past, This is before I think the previous governor had offered the teachers a pay raise. Um, There weren't that many teachers that want to teach in Arizona for public school uh, because of the low pay. Um, But if it's going to come out eventually, well, hopefully, I I think I'd be interested in that. But I think the point's made that, you know, since COVID, things have declined. I'm just wondering from Arizona's standpoint uh, if it was either declining or flatlined prior to that. Um, the other thing had to do with that Supreme Court decision on overturning legislature's draw, redistricting uh, maps. I, I don't think I understand, and you're the lawyer. I, I thought that that would be something that a state would have been constitutionally allowed to do because I don't recall, and I'm no expert, but I don't recall anything specifically in anything in our Constitution, our federal Constitution, that states anything about redistricting rules <laughs> and that it had been state legislatures historically uh, their job to do just that. And then the Supreme Court comes along, a conservative Supreme Court no less, and overturns that and says a state Supreme Court can overrule uh, legislative redistricting I'm not sure I like that.
1: Well, I tell you what we'll do. Uh we'll have Brett Johnson on tomorrow to do the analysis on it. It's an area of law, elections law, um that I I am I am woefully inadequately educated upon. Uh but I will uh I, I will take two, 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 uh two pieces of judicial notice here. One, it was interesting that Amy Coney Barrett sided with the majority on this. Uh, she John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh you don't often see that that trio uh especially in a in a case that Alito and Thomas are on the other side of but right. uh we'll have uh we'll have Brett uh Brett take it on with us uh with with us tomorrow one of the things about Arizona that I did want to talk about is something you did David bring up to me which is this new Fox News uh poll of uh of what they call uh Battleground states, right? Uh Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. And kind of interesting that Arizona's looking to be uh just slightly within a hair's breadth of pro Democrat for twenty twenty four. Uh about three tenths of a percent leaning Democrat in um uh, in uh, in Arizona. It's a very odd thing to see that at this stage of the game. Um of course, three tenths of a percent is is statistically meaningless, but it is odd to me that we have become the kind of state that is that close that is within vast margin the vast margin of error here um it is it's It's a little less surprising to see Pennsylvania leaning that way. But when you look at these battleground states they they really are up for grabs. Wisconsin is only seven-tenths of a percent-leaning Democrat. Uh, Georgia, only two-tenths of a percent-leaning Democrat. These, these are such small things that it tells me, you know, they're battleground states for a reason. These are the states that, that you're going to have to focus a lot of energy and a lot of resources on. Um, Arizona, man, I just, I just hate the idea that it's a state we have to fight for. But it is a state we have to fight for and um and 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 the indices are not great; they're just not um, our legislature is one vote majorities in both houses, both in the Senate and the House. Obviously, uh, we have a few uh Republican office holders, like in our Secretary of state, and we do have the congressional delegation majority, which was a conversion from last year, and a blessing to be sure. but the idea that we have to fight for Arizona is just. A sign that uh, our Republican Party here needs to do a much better job of recruiting candidates and getting its message out. A much better job of it. I don't understand why the Republican Party is not dominating the field. It should be totally dominating the field. We should be not a one-third, one-third, one-third nation. Given what the Democrats stand for and what they have done to this country, this should be a two-third, one-third country. It really should be, two-thirds being Republican. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Uh, Here's a question. If it's a violation of the Espionage Act for Donald Trump to show theoretically classified material to people who aren't authorized to see it. And by the way, that's not an evidence, that's an allegation. We don't know what he was showing them. If, if, If the audio tape of that, which is in the indictment, is a violation of the Espionage Act, putting this country in danger, why is the playing of it on CNN not... Why is that okay? Why is it okay for CNN to disclose to the world what Donald Trump was indicted on for showing two or three other people if it was, in fact, what he showed them? It was his description of it, that is to say, the audio that got him indicted, it's the audio that CNN played. The press has this this game that it plays with its its fellow countrymen and its audience, isn't it? The law only applies to Republicans, or really only only other, other institutions, just never itself. The press will wrap itself up in the mantle of the First Amendment, saying they have a First Amendment protection to do so. Ah, but if the president does it in private, that can lead to him being called a spy, which is what the Espionage Act is about. If you have been following this audio, it's still important to notice Jack Smith doesn't have the evidence of what those papers were. He doesn't have what it was Donald Trump was showing or discussing or waving around. Could have been anything. Could have been articles from the New Yorker magazine. Could have been a Chinese takeout menu, for all we know, with his scratches on it or scribblings on it or notes on it or a file folder. We don't know, and neither does Jack Smith. But if it's the audio that got him in trouble because it endangered national security, what did CNN do by playing it? What did they do? Is Jack Smith going to now go after them? Of course not. The media never gets in trouble. And by the way, how is it that CNN got this audio? If the argument against Trump is that he was careless... With presidential papers? How careless is the Department of Justice to allow classified information to leak out of its prosecution of Donald Trump and into the hands of CNN? It's the only place it could have gotten it from, the Department of Justice. Sounds a lot less careful than Donald Trump to me.